Crazy love. Crazy love. Stepping back for a moment, the big picture of God. God is one. There are not multiple gods. There's just one God. And he's eternal. Meaning he has no beginning and no ending. And eternal deals with time, infinity, with space. So God didn't begin 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem or even a million years ago. God never began and he never ends. He, he is eternal. At some point he decided to create and he created light and the heavens and he created the angels and the earth and people and all of the rest. Why did he do that? Well, the answer is love. And because he loves and because he wants us to experience that love. Okay, now we get to infinity. What does this mean in in terms of infinity? If you have an infinite being, it means that nothing can escape it. Time cannot escape it. Infinity and eternity see through time as if it's all just in the present moment. And so even before the creation of time, before God had created time, which is inconceivable for us, we're bound by the laws of time and space. Before God had created space, before he created material things, before he created time, He saw all things. He saw all that would ever be, all that could be. And so what that means is that when he created the angels, he saw this beautiful angel named Lucifer, Lightbearer was his name. And remember, the numbers of angels are in the many billions, billions and billions of angels. And when he created Lightbearer, Lucifer, he could see a choice that Lucifer could make. Because he's infinite, he could see the infinity of choices that each of the billions of angels could make within themselves at any moment of their life. And he could see this ultimate decision that Lucifer could make in rebellion. And he could see the fight in heaven between Michael and the good angels and the bad angels all before he ever created one angel. And he saw earth and he saw Adam and Eve and he saw that Adam and Eve could be faithful They could pass the test with the serpent and the way the world would be if that were the case. And he saw what would happen if they fell. And he saw them before he created them. And because he's infinite, he saw you and me before he ever created light. And he saw the myriad and the infinite number of possibilities using our free will that we could go. But he saw before he created anything. You, the time in which he would you, the grace that he would give you, the talents that he would give you, the family and the circumstances that you would come from. He knew and saw all of this, all of it. And remember, before Jesus reveals himself to us as the son of the Father, he is the word with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Before we understood there was a Father and a Son, we understood that there was a Father and the Word and the Holy Spirit. That the Word Jesus was the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be the heavens, and there were the heavens. Let there be the angels, and there were the angels. And let there be earth, and all on it, and you and me. That was Jesus. And then the word entered the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary at the incarnation or the annunciation of Gabriel and nine months later was born in Bethlehem. And why is this infinite God doing all of this? Now remember, if you're infinite and you're infinitely good and you're infinitely loving and infinitely glorious, then it means that nothing can add to it. 
All of the sacrifices that you and I make, of the heroic sacrifices of the saints, none of it added a shred of glory to God or increased his love. None of it did. None of it did. It was his gift to them and to us that we could experience it. And so, in the end, why did God create angels and human beings, the two creatures with intellect and free will? And the answer was, so they would be happy. That's the answer. Before he created anything, he saw you and wanted to create you that you might be happy. That's the bottom line. And there's sin and there's suffering and all the consequences that come from sin and the fall and all the rest. But man, he will not give up on that love. He will not give up on that desire for you and I to experience eternal happiness in the beatific vision of heaven. He will not give up on it. So he does everything within his power short of robbing us of our free will. He will not take away our free will. The enemy will, but God won't. The word won't. Jesus won't. But he'll reveal himself as much as possible without revealing himself in such a way that we couldn't deny him. Because then we wouldn't have free will, would we? But he comes as a baby in a way in which we can see and relate to him. We know that if he came in his glory, we would be terrified of him. We would not want to look upon him. He told Moses, you can't look upon me and still live. It would be too much. We know from the Old Testament when the angels come, even in the New Testament, when the angel came to Zechariah, they're always terrified of the angels. The angels come and visit Abraham, and Sarah laughs, and they threaten her, and they say, you laugh. No, I didn't, and they're scared. And The angel comes to Samson's mom, and she's terrified, and the angel comes to Jacob and he wrestles and fights with them and the angel wounds him. The angel comes to Zechariah and Zechariah is scared. Zechariah literally has a rope tied to his ankle in case he should see an angel and die and they have to drag him back out of the temple. Because it was his turn to go in the temple and burn incense and they knew that an angel could appear in there and if he did he would drop dead and they'd have to drag him out because they didn't want to go in there. So he literally had a rope tied to his ankle when the angel came to Zechariah and said, your wife Elizabeth is going to conceive and it will be the precursor to the Messiah. It will be John the Baptist. If we're scared of angels, imagine the one that created all of them. So he comes as a baby in a way in which what we're totally disarmed. We can totally relate to that. Not only can we relate to that and not be frightened of that, but we can even warm up to that. We can even long to see and to be with the one with the baby, to hold the baby, maybe. And he tries so hard that we might have everlasting happiness that he becomes bread. Bread. Not even gold. Not silver and not, you know, mountaintops and whatever. He comes as bread. Before there was food processing, before there were candy wrappers and all of that, all around the world there was always bread. You can make it out of pretty much anything. Rice and wheat and barley and rye and... And uh, I don't know what else you can make bread out of, but it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, bread. Everyone can access bread, and that's the point. And he comes in the most sublime way. Today, we wouldn't even... We're so rich with foods and sugars and all kinds of things that common bread is like, not for me. It's so beneath my palate at this point. And there's Jesus. Wanting us to be happy. That's what it is. 
going all the way back to the dawn of time. Him saying, you can't add to my happiness. You can't add to my love. You can't add to my glory. But I can add to yours. I can share me with you that you might be happy for eternity. So respond. Respond. Don't dismiss him or blow him off. Don't act like, oh, well, maybe whatever, some other time or something. Respond to him. Respond to him now. There's only this life to respond to him. Only in this life can we merit. Once we die, we can no longer merit. We can't do, we can't sacrifice for him anymore. We can't strive. In this life, when we pray, even a little prayer, there's some kind of a sacrifice. Sacrifice of our time and our focus, certainly. And we all know that prayer is a real difficult struggle. Coming to Mass every Sunday in the Holy Days of Obligation is a struggle for many. Going to confession multiple times a year is a struggle with our pride and our vanity and our ego and all of those other horrible things. Sharing the word of God, sharing Jesus in word and deed with other people is a sacrifice and a struggle. But if we'll work on those things, we'll be happy. We'll be happy. The happiest people were the Mother Teresa's of Calcutta, who died with nothing but her sore on. No house, no car, no husband, no children, no grandchildren. She gave everything to the king. And now she is experiencing happiness beyond anything we could conceive. So in 2024, make that your best year with God yet. And that's a decision. It's not like roll the dice to see how this year goes. No, it's a decision. And that just means simply, okay, in 2024, I'm going to try to pray every day. I'm going to try to have spiritual reading every day. I'm going to try to turn off my screens, like for 50% of the time. I think everyone here, 99% of people here, could get by perfectly fine and even more effectively with half the screen time that you currently have. Easily. Some of you with 90% less screen time. Screens the enemy uses to distract us and to take us away from God. But so many ways in which in this coming year, you and I can make it the best year. We just decide it's going to be the best year ever with God. The world will be what it will be, relationships, my health, finances, that'll all be what it's going to be. But my relationship with God, that's something that by the grace of God I can control in this way, that I can make progress, that I can control. So set out this year, set out this year to make Jesus number one. Because he's number one. He's just objectively speaking number one. Whether we want him to be or whether we think he is, he is number one. But to acknowledge that and then start living as if he is number one. And then to start moving into why it is that he did all this. Why he created the heavens. And you and me. And why he came into the world and revealed himself. Why he went to Calvary. Why he took up residency in a piece of bread was that you and I could be happy. So seek him. Seek him this year. By the grace of God, draw close to him. And count on him. Count on him to give you a peace and a joy that nothing in the world could ever give you.